we've worked very hard on, on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. There's no point in time and except standards of excellence. We will deal with the Talton Cup if we're in it and we'll, we'll certainly give it every bit of respect. There's no feeling that beats playing for Ireland. My God, I'm going to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sports Beat Extra. We got a lot coming up on this week's show. We're hearing from an Irish Paralympic gold medalist and catching up on the many upcoming events in the Munster badminton scene. But first, as today is day one of the GAA's Respect the Ref campaign, we hear directly from a seasoned referee about his experiences in the game. As always, I'm Sean Connolly, and you're very welcome to Sports Beat Extra. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. Gavin Whelan is a local referee in Waterford and also participates as a player and a coach. We caught up with Gavin to gather a unique perspective on the life of a referee in Ireland's sacred game. Actually, my own mother encouraged me to, to do, a, do a referee course um, down in Waterford and um, kind of started from there. I went in and there was obviously a two or three night course and went through all the rules and a couple of tests and questions and stuff at the end. So started doing under-12 games then um, at the time and under-12 was, was kind of a... a an official championship as such, so uh, started doing a few games uh, locally and uh, yeah, gradually kicked off. I've made a bit of progress in the adult scene the last couple of years in terms of, I suppose, breaking on, on to doing intermediate games at divisional level and, and do, I suppose, lines on fourth official stuff for senior games yet, or at the moment haven't broken onto, I suppose, senior panels yet, but that'd be something maybe down the line. And uh, just last weekend there, I did the minor minor A football final in Waterford, which was a nice nice appointment so um, yeah I suppose it's nice to be doing involved in these big games too there is um, I suppose that bit of um, benefit in it too and that bit of enjoyment out of it as well which is um, which is important there has been games where obviously things mightn't have gone gone right and you, you get a, I suppose a bit of abuse from parents or, or maybe even players themselves uh, the players I suppose are more so involved in it and you kind of just have to take that in the chin and, and get on with it you know um, I think when it comes from parents it, it can be going a bit far at times and Kind of asking yourself why why the hell am I doing this like or, or stuff like that you know but um I suppose at the end of the day referees going out doing his best you know and you want to I suppose that give respect get respect um uh, slogan which the the GA is I know trying to improve on again that you know I think that has to be maybe uh, that can be improved on uh, from all aspects from from maybe uh, referee side and indeed on the on the sideline as well you know that 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 respect uh, amongst the, the referee players and indeed the the mentors and the supporters. Um, I think there needs to be a, a gradual and, and a big improvement in that area. But it's hard to think of any particular one notice. I can't think of anything too um, hectic or that, or that you know that, that 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 wanted you to give it up or anything like that. So, um, but look, it probably has happened. All right, it's just sometimes you have to have, I suppose, be thick skin sometimes and just kind of pack these things to get it out of the head and just like a player move on to the next ball or the next next decision. You know, I'm a coach there as well with. Um, with my own helping out of my own underage teams in St. Pat's and also the last couple of years I was involved with the water in their 20s um, now kind of managing them but was doing a bit of coaching as well so um, yeah I suppose that's uh, another side of it now that um, you know I suppose when you're a coach you're, you're, you're so engaged in it as well and, and um, you know I suppose you're trying to do your best for your team and that's been I suppose the areas the last couple of weeks that maybe the the coaches have, you know, I suppose they're so intent on getting a result that, you know, I suppose they can maybe um, shout in a bit at match officials and maybe the heat of the moment and that leads into maybe throwing out comments that are probably maybe uncalled for at times, you know. So it's a it's a, it's a, a tough angle, you know, because everyone wants, you know, their own team and their own players to, to do well. But I suppose sometimes you just kind of have to think, take, take a back seat and, and realise that, you know, we're all we're all in it for 
for the one, you know, without the referees at the end of the day, we wouldn't have games. And I think that's that's the important element that I think people may have missed the last couple of weeks. I know there's been a lot of stories and probably been in the headlines for, you know, it's a pity to see those headlines that were there the last couple of weeks. But, you know, without the officials, you know, our game simply wouldn't be able to take place. And with uh, a lot of the counties around the country, as you know, you know the, there's a huge shortage of refs and you are trying to entice maybe you guys to take it up. And, you know, if that stuff that's last couple of weeks is going on, you know, if I was young for the starting out again and the referee, you'd be asking yourself, do do I want to do this? You know, and the answer would probably be no at the minute. So I think we all just need to come together and, and you know, just tone it down a little bit on the sideline and, and just realise the referee is there to do his best. You know, players make mistakes, referees are going to make mistakes. And um, at the end of the day, they play an important role in our games. So I think that, that shouldn't really be um, be forgotten, you know, and maybe coaches and Clubs need to come together and, and sit down and, and maybe look at how their behaviour is on the sideline. It can come from all angles really at times, you know, um, but I suppose it's how you kind of deal with that and having to, uh, to control it. And, 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 you know, if you, you, at the end of the day, you know, it's a, it's a split-second decision if you're if you're a referee. Uh, you know, obviously you don't have to, you know, at club level, sometimes you go into a situation where you're often on your own in games. You don't have linesmen, you don't have, um, you know, you try and bring your own umpires, obviously. Um, but for some juvenile games, can be fairly taxing going in there if there's parents that are pretty very close to the sideline they're nearly in, literally in in the field and they're trying to make sure their own young fellas getting looked after and things like that so it can be can be coming from them I suppose from that angle you know um, I suppose up through the adult grades then you are more a team where you know you have your linesman you have your umpires your fourth official and that and I suppose you know you're you're trying to control your own team and you know you can I suppose you're always going to get a few. Um, I suppose passionate supporters in the stands shouting down as well but you have to kind of block out that noise and just focus really on your own game you know so I think probably it's a combination of factors like from a coaching point of view you know we all get excited on the line too and you know I suppose you're doing your best for your team and all that so it can it can come really from all angles but um, be a more coming together between um, I think players and uh, match officials uh, I know the, the handshake and stuff uh, before games and, 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 and things like that is is kind of maybe there at some levels but I know at underage level as well there is that there at under 13 where the players kind of shake hands with one another and the officials after the game so maybe there could be more of that or more communication I find maybe during the game at underage if, if the referees can have a word with the captains or you know maybe allow explain what you're giving a free for and maybe the, the guys can take that on board too or maybe have a word with coaches as well at times to, to say look you know what I mean there's too much of that going on or maybe just maybe that's more um connection between the, the the referee and the players um, and indeed their, their mentors as well so I suppose there is a lot of rules at the minute you know I'm sure there's any need for rule changes you know I know there's a lot of rules in football at the minute um, so there's a lot of work to do for the referee so um, I think their um, communication with the linesman and the fourth official and their umpires you know is, is very important because um, there's a lot going on in the, the modern game now is so quick as well it's up and down the field so there, there is a lot going on but um I think just maybe a better engagement between all parties in terms of in the lead up to games, clubs, uh, you know, doing their own maybe uh, discipline forms as well, where you know the code of conduct is is rolled out that you know we want this uh, respect towards towards referees and, and things like that, and, and I suppose then it goes both ways as well, and you know I think it's more enjoyable then and more beneficial for the referees as well if we're all singing off the off the same hymn sheet because you have I suppose parents that. Some of the games that you know they mightn't be familiar with the rules, you know, and they're, they're shouting in at a referee, which is totally, you know, it's it's just uncalled for, really. Um, you know, you've gone away, you've done the course, you've done your 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 stepping stone to 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 put yourself in that position to get out into the centre of the field and and ref a game. So I think you should be um, given, I suppose, an opportunity to do that 
um, to the best of your ability. And I think if we if we all come together and, and all parties just kind of singing off the same hymn sheet, I think that can further improve it. You know, tracking sport across the southeast. Sports beat extra. I'm joined now by Trudy Kennedy, the Association Secretary for Munster Badminton. It's great to chat again, Trudy. How are you? I'm good, Sean. How are you? I'm doing very well. Very well. So, to begin with, we've had an extremely positive outing at the recent Munster Masters. And I feel it's important to highlight this, given the turnout and the age range that's on show. I suppose, how happy were you with the event as a whole? Yeah, so we had the Munster Masters on the 17th of September and it was only our second time um, running the competition. We ran it just before COVID and then obviously we had nothing for a couple of years. We had kind of targeted to get maybe 60 entries and we ended up at 92. So we were thrilled with that. And we did the age range literally was 35 to 77. And some of those 77-year-olds were actually playing singles. So it was just, it was a fantastic day. There was a great atmosphere in the hall all day. And there was really positive feedback. And um, we were, we had actually had a sponsor, Revive Active, and we were thrilled with that. That was our first time as well. And we just hope to build on it from here on in, you know. All sounds very positive. And you said that there was a 77-year-old playing that day, was there? There was. There was a couple of... Um, we had four in their 70s, in their mid-70s wow. playing in that event. Yeah. And one travelled down from the north for that tournament. And it was just great and... It was just a really feel-good tournament. You know, everybody was positive and it was just it was just a really, really um, happy event for everybody, I think, you know. Well, that's great to hear that. Waterford has also recently played host to some of the country's best at Munster youth level as well. What were the key takeaways from that tournament and the turnout that you received there? Yeah, so that event was the Munster um, Open under 15 and under 19. And as you say, we had the top players in those age groups travelled from Donegal, Dublin, Connacht down to play. Um, and the standard was just amazing. I mean, these kids are just phenomenal. And quite a number of them were on the Irish team as well, which was great for us that they chose to come down. And we were able to see the standard. And we had quite a number of Munster players who did very well as well. We had um, two young girls from Cork who actually got to the semi final. That was a great achievement for them and something to build on. But it, again, it went really well, and the kids are just amazing. They're just, the standard is just, you know, the work that they have put in and the, the support team that travels with them, their parents, their coaches. It's just one big package, and it's, it's just really, really good, you know. It sounds like the, the talent in the country is only growing. The pool is getting bigger and bigger and bigger every time I speak with you. Are, are you seeing that on the ground yourself? 100%. I mean, before it might be one or two players that had, would have had a chance of winning, but now you have five, six, seven or eight in contention for these titles, which is great. Well, that's brilliant to hear that. Now, Trudy, with the profile of what you oversee in Munster, it's it's simply massive. And mm. one of the premier competitions in Munster is obviously the Butterfield Cup. I mean, what does that competition mean to you, given the generational background involved there? Yeah, so the Butterfield Cup actually dates back to 1947. That was when the first Butterfield was run in Munster. And it's the premier team event for the province. So you have the best and strongest players in each county participating. And I suppose just something that happened recently, um, we have a young player from Tipperary, and his name is Luke Marks, and he was recently picked to play on the Irish under-13 team. And his father would have played Butterfield Cup for Tipperary, and his grandparents would have played Butterfield Cup for Tipperary. So it's a real family family affair and um, his grandparents Kathleen and 
and Paddy Marks would also have been Babington Ireland presidents over the years. So it's a huge, I suppose, um, tradition in the family. And we have quite a number of badminton families within within the sport. And it's just great to see Luke Marks now going off to represent Ireland. His grandparents and father, his, his late grandparents, they would have been so proud for, of that, you know. Badminton is obviously in that family's blood. That's that's it's, amazing. I love when I when I hear things like that. It's tremendous. We'd focused on the rebuild of the sport and the footprint of the sport following the delays that were naturally caused with COVID. Have you seen, I suppose, an uptake in bodies after COVID? Absolutely. And I mean, I can even um, refer back to our own in county in Waterford. We're just starting our men's and ladies league now. And this, this term, we have 36 teams where normally would we would have about 22, 24. So that's a massive jump for us. Um, and I can see the tournaments Entry is starting to build as well. And I know in Waterford, there's a huge amount of juveniles playing now in the, in the city as well. There's a new um, Lady Lane, which is the club in the, in the city in Waterford. They've started up an academy and they have a huge number of juveniles now joined and they train every Friday night. And I think they had something like 60 kids there recently, which is, that's amazing really for Babington, you know. And all throughout Munster, there's lots more coaching going on and it's really developing the young the young players now throughout the province. Well, that's what we need because that's the only way that a sport can succeed is that if it continues to bring in those bodies at that young age and develop them to be 77-year-olds playing the Munster Opens as we just discussed. Now, what key events can the region look forward to over the next couple of months? So on the 12th and 13th of November, we have a very busy weekend in UL and Sports Arena. We have the Munster Premier Open, which will have the top senior players from all throughout the country coming down to play in that. There's singles, doubles, a mix, and there's ranking points associated with that event. So we'll have a lot of players fighting it out there to get their ranking points. And we also have a new event called the Inter-County Masters, again, building on developing Masters badminton. Um, we have an over 40 and over 50 team event. And within those two age groups, we have it subdivided into two two sections where you have players of different grades so they get to play against their own standard as opposed to maybe a H player having to play very high standard. So it's pretty balanced and we're hoping, again, it's a new event and we're hoping that the uptake will be good. And we also have a Munster Grade F, again, another new event. Again, open to anybody throughout the country and the entries are picking up nicely for that as well. So it's going to be a festival of badminton that weekend. Excellent, I love that. And I suppose following on from that, if anyone is listening and they want to get involved, uh, where can they go to find out some more about this? So we have all of our tournaments are listed on the Badminton Ireland website and you can register there or you can you can tap into our social media platforms, Monster Badminton Competitions or Monster Badminton on Facebook. Tracking sport across the southeast. The hugely successful Shine Festival took place in Dublin last week and the aim of the event was to inspire and empower girls. Now, we caught up with Paralympic gold medalist Ellen Keane at the event and we have some fantastic footage of Ellen delivering her message to the girls of Ireland. The thing is, with sport, and with swimming in particular, I loved it so much because there was nowhere for me to hide. I had swimsuit, my hat, my goggles. And when I was in the water, all that mattered was how fast am I going? What's my skill? How, how, who do I have to beat? Am I getting close to these times? That's all that mattered. What I looked like didn't matter. The people I swam with 
became my best friends because they got to know the real me, and I was allowed to be the real me. And the real me is this outgoing, kind of moving around, really hyper girl. But outside of the pool, I wasn't like that at all. I was literally a shadow. I wanted to be as invisible as possible. And when it came to racing, I went to my first Paralympic Games when I was 13. And even before I was 13, so many people told me, you're going to win a gold medal, you're incredible, you have so much potential. And I was, I was swimming, but I wasn't getting anywhere, I wasn't getting any faster. I loved swimming, I loved being in the water, but when it came to racing, like, why wasn't, why wasn't I getting any faster? What's going on here? Like, I'm, I'm training quite well. I feel like I have all this potential. People keep telling me how great I am, but something's not clicking here. And then I started college. And here's me thinking, right, this is a fresh start. This is a new beginning. Deep down, I know who I am, and that's because of sport. Sport has taught me that I am outgoing, I can have fun, I can be carefree, I can love my body, my body can do incredible things. I just really, really need to be brave here. I need to pretend that I'm confident. I need to pretend that I do not have a care in the world. And also, I was doing a culinary degree, so if I was hiding my arm, that could be really dangerous. So, on day one, when I went into college, I rolled up my sleeve, I acted like I didn't care. People looked at me, yeah, people were curious. And then I realized that the world doesn't revolve around me and people only think about me for a split second and then they move on with their day. And that gave me so much confidence. It made me realize that all of these negative thoughts that I was having were actually all in my head. People really didn't care about my arm, really probably even about me. Um, and it was really funny because when I was in college, I think it was like the first week, my, my lecturer was doing like a knife safety thing and he was passing around the knives and showing you how to pass knives safely. And out of everyone, bearing in mind you need two hands to pass knives safely, um, out of everyone in the whole class, he decided to pick on me to demonstrate how to pass knives safely. And he didn't realize I had one hand. So I had to stand up in, a bunch, in front of a bunch of strangers only kind of on the journey of self-love and loving my arm and body. And I had to demonstrate how to pass a knife safely. And it was fine, like I didn't, it didn't worry me, I didn't care. And then afterwards, the chef came up to me and he was like, I am so, so sorry, I didn't realize you had one hand. I can't believe how embarrassing that must have been for you. And that's the thing, it wasn't embarrassing. I was learning, I was getting on this journey. But in the pool, I still wasn't there. I still wasn't getting there. I went to the Paralympic Games in 2016, I was 21 years old, and this was my third Paralympic Games, and I was like, oh my God, like, this is my opportunity. If I don't win a medal here, like, what, what am I as an athlete? Like, how can I justify being an athlete if I, if I don't win a medal here? And I got so stressed out, and I kept telling myself all of these negative things, like, I need to do this, I, I don't believe in myself, I don't know if I'm good enough, and that's because I have been telling myself that since I was like 11 years old because I didn't believe in myself, I didn't love my arm, I didn't love my body, I believed everyone else was right, I never put myself first, and when it came to the Paralympics in 2016, I did win a medal, but I swam really slow, and I came back from that games and I was like, what is going on? Like, I really need to figure out how to, how to do this because if I don't figure this out, 
I, I'm going to be so unhappy. So for 13 years of my life, people were telling me I had so much potential and I wasn't reaching this potential. And that's one of the things that Dove found. Dove found that young people in Ireland are missing out on their potential because they don't have high body esteem. They don't love themselves. They don't have that body confidence. They're choosing not to love themselves because they don't know how to love themselves. It took me 13 years to figure out I need to put myself first, my brain first, I need to put my mental health first, I need to start being kinder to myself, I need to start saying, I can do this until I believe I can do this. And then in 2021, I went to the Paralympic Games and I won this. In this pocket, if I can get it out quicker than I put on the coat. that here. <laughs> um, so it took me 13 years to win a medal. People had told me I'd probably win from day one. And my proudest achievement wasn't actually that I'd won the gold medal. My proudest achievement was, so what I do before I race is I listen to music and I put headphones on and it, it gets me in the mood. And one, that's one of the things I use as inspiration and motivation. Whenever I, I really need to focus in on something, I have a playlist. So it was like all like Eminem and things like that. And my playlist on Spotify ran out. And then a random song came on. And the random song that came on was <laughs> Katy Perry, Unconditionally, which is all about loving someone unconditionally no matter what. And I listened to those lyrics right before I went out for my race. And I told myself, okay, no matter what happens here, I'll love myself unconditionally. And that's why winning that gold medal meant so much to me because I had finally conquered, I'd finally conquered all those negative thoughts. I'd finally conquered all that hate I was spewing on myself. I finally figured it out. And that's the only reason I was able to win that gold medal. It has nothing to do with who was the best person in the pool. It had everything to do with who was more willing, more able, and who loved themselves the most enough to try and get that. And I guess that's one of the biggest things I want to tell you guys today. I never would have imagined that I'd be up here, be able to speak in front of all of you. I never would have imagined that I'd finally be able to love myself enough and and be kind to myself. Like, I used to walk into a room and be sweating, thinking, who's, think who's looking at me? Who's the next person who's going to look at me? Now I walk into a room, and if someone stares at my arm, I stare right back at them, because if they're going to make me feel uncomfortable, I'm going to make them feel uncomfortable, too. <laughs> but also, I'm up here today because of my arm. I'm up here today because of my difference. My arm, my difference, it's become my superpower. It's the one thing that sets me out from the crowd. And the sooner you guys realize your difference is your superpower, the better you're going to be, the more incredible life you're going to have. I was on Dancing with the Stars, guys. Like, that's mad. I used to... <laughs> at times during rehearsal or at times right before I went out to dance, I actually did have those thoughts because I was doing something new. I used to think, I can't do this. I can't do a ballroom hold. I can't do it like everyone else. 
And then I had to check myself because, you know what, I was doing exactly the same thing I've done my whole life. And it's just, I'm just doing it now because it's something new, something I haven't done before. And the thing about self-love and confidence and believing in yourself is it, you don't do it overnight. It's not a switch. You don't flick it and you're suddenly better. You have to constantly work on it. You have to constantly listen to those empowering songs. You have to constantly come to these empowering talks. You have to constantly tell yourself that I can do it. I believe in myself and I can and I will. And that's the only way that you're going to be able to do this. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can reach me at sport at beat102103.com. Beat Anthems is coming up next, but right before that, I got something very special for each and every club in the region. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy, the solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie. Do you fancy winning a grand for your club? Because if you do, Club Focus is back. Each month I'm visiting a club in the region and I'm giving them a chance to take their place in the limelight, and that's to feature on air, online, and across all of our socials. At the end of the 12 months, one of the lucky clubs is going to bag €1,000 bursary. The winning club is also going to be chosen through a public vote, so it's a super opportunity to attract new members. Club Focus is part of Beat's ongoing commitment to support the work that all of you brilliant local clubs do, while also celebrating the positive impacts that you have on all of your communities. So if you want to get involved, it is as easy as going to beat102103.com forward slash club focus to apply now. I'll see you all soon. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy, the solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie